This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for Pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehiyas Uhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight... He says, the Khwarij have this morning attacked our forces in Hlaulagab. He says, troops inflicted heavy casualties on the group and their bodies are scattered on the battlefield. And also we have uh, uh, Chad's government saying 11 army officers unsuccessfully trying to destabilize the country. And Morocco has denounced suggestions that the country is involved in a scandal involving the EU. We'll have these stories and more ahead on African News Tonight. But first, our top story, Kenyan police say they are investigating the apparent killing of a gay model and activist whose body was found this week in a metal box. LGBTQ rights group allege he was the victim of a hate crime, as Juma Maganga reports from Nairobi, Kenya. The body of Edwin Chiloba, an LGBTQ activist, was found Wednesday in the western Kenyan town of Kapsaret. Police say the body, which had multiple stab wounds, had been stuffed into a metal box that was left along the side of a road. Now, right campaigners are raising concerns about the safety of the LGBTQ community in Kenya. Fahe Kerubo is an LGBTQ campaigner at the Reproductive Health Network in Kenya. Just knowing one person is from a party and then the next thing they're dead. It's really scary. People are not leaving their houses currently. They're calling around to know whether, you know, what is the status of the country and if if, if they're safe or something like that. Police told VOA they have arrested one suspect in connection to Chiloba's killing, but the motive is yet to be established. Rezila Onyango is a Kenyan police spokesperson. Apparently it's just a murder incident. But the investigation is going on. The DCI team are investigating uh, the team, the NPS team on the ground. But so far we've arrested one person who is uh, an adult and was last seen with the the disease. They are friends. It is believed they were friends. We are currently pursuing the motor vehicle. Uh, There's a vehicle vehicle that was used to suspect it was being used in disposing of the body. Kenya is largely a conservative society. Sex between men is illegal in the country, and LGBTQ people have often been the target of discrimination and attacks. Here again is Fahe Kerubo. We've tried to make advances towards ensuring that the human rights are upheld in terms of the LGBTQ community. And um, yes, we made strides, but we've seen there's been a couple of you know, deaths happening to queer people, trans people. There's a lot of homophobia, there's a lot of transphobia happening in the country. As the police carry out the investigation into Chiloba's death, members of the LGBTQ community in Kenya hope it is not hate-related. Juma Majanga for VOA News, Nairobi. Chad's government says its security forces foiled an attempt by a group of army officers to destabilize the country and undermine constitutional order. 
Earlier today, VOA's French to Africa Service Chief, Timothy Donangmai, briefed us on the developments. Welcome to African News Tonight, Timothy. My pleasure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Timothy, what is going on in Chad with this attempted coup? Well, uh, yesterday, Thursday, Chad's communication minister and government spokesman said in a statement that the government had foiled a destabilization attempt aimed at undermining the constitutional order and institutions of the republic. Uh, they said the plot, he said the plot was, uh, the plot implicated a group of 11 army officers headed by Baradin Berde Targiu. He is the president of Chadian Human Rights Organization. And so it was also announced that the security forces started arresting the suspects in uh, December 8, around December 8th, and that an um, investigation has been opened. Uh, however, uh, people in charge recall that last December, shortly after the alleged suspects were being rounded up, uh, the Chadian Armed Forces General Staff issued a press release denying what it termed crazy information circulating on the web about a coup d'etat in Chad. The press release went on to say a small group of officers of the Chadian National Army, manipulated by civilians who were planning actions to disrupt the institutions of the Republic, but that the military intelligence service uncovered the plot and arrested them for investigation. The statement added that the Chadian Armed Forces General Staff reassured the population and asked it to go about its business. So, yeah, yes, this, is, uh, this change of tune makes one question really what is happening in Chad. Do we know a little more about uh, the instigator of the coup, uh, Baradin Verde, uh, him being the Chadian Human Rights Organization president? Uh, right. A uh, late uh, mastermind of uh, that plot is uh, uh, Baradin Verde Targiu. He's a well-known human rights activist. And, uh, and so it's not uh, his first run-in with the law in Chad. Uh, he was arrested in, uh, I think, 20... 20 and was sentenced in uh, 2021 to three years in prison uh, under the charge of undermining the Constitution. Uh, some people say uh, he, he uh, spoke about the health of uh, the late President Idris Deby Itno on uh, social media and that it was the, the reason why uh, he was arrested. Timothy, uh, one last thing. Uh, as far as uh, Chad is concerned, the overall uh, state of uh, the government in Chad, how is it? These uh, coup d'etats are so frequent over there uh, in that area. Right. Uh, and, and this is uh, a country that has, uh, what I would say, I would term an inflation of uh, high-ranking uh, military personnel. They, according so, to some estimates, there are more than 500 generals in charge for uh, an army of uh, between uh, 40 and uh, 65,000 troops. And, and so that, that is bound to, um, to lead to this kind of uh, situations. Yeah. And also we don't have really transparency in what's, in what's going on in Chad. Uh, at this time, the government has yet to release a comprehensive report on the death of President Idris Deby Itno in uh, 2021 in Western Chad on the front line of a battle against rebel groups. We don't know yes. what happened there. Timothy Donangmai, Chief of the French to Africa Service at The Voice of America, thank you for your input. Anytime, yeah, yes.
A 2022 report by the Committee to Protect Journalists, CPJ, says African journalists were jailed for so-called anti-state charges and droves killed in the line of duty. I ask Mutuki Mumo, the Africa representative for the Committee to Protect Journalists, to brief us more on the report. Now, what does the picture look like here on our continent? I think it's important to start with a little bit of good news and acknowledge that we saw journalists being released, journalists who had been uh, jailed in 2021, uh, being released in 2022 in countries like Ethiopia and Egypt. That's a bit of good news. But unfortunately, that's as far as the good news goes. Because despite some of those releases, we also we as CPJ recorded 56 journalists behind bars on the continent of Africa. Uh, some of the countries with the worst records, you know, the worst re- country, the country with the worst record was Egypt, then um, followed by Eritrea and Cameroon. And unfortunately, if you look at these countries, they're countries that have been problematic for journalists for years and years. It's not, um, it's not new. It's not, you know, it's not a, uh, something that is only happening in 2022 uh, where we're seeing journalists being detained. There are places where some journalists have been detained for years and years, which is quite tragic and heartbreaking. What are the accusations on the journalists? There are different types of accusations um, for these journalists behind bars in Africa and around the world. But we started seeing patterns when we look at the data. And one of the things that comes up frequently is what we at CPJ call anti-state charges. Now, under the umbrella of anti-state charges, uh, a couple of things. So there are things like accusations of terrorism or accusations of, you know, attempts to undermine a country's constitution or national security or um, other, for you know, attempts to undermine the integrity of the state, which is something that we sometimes hear Um, in parts of our continent. 24 journalists, uh, for instance, and media workers have been killed in Nigeria between 1992 and 2022. And in Somalia, it has been listed among the deadliest country for journalists. So let's talk about bodily harm and death for journalists. Now, I was drilling down specifically the data for 2022 uh, for sub-Saharan Africa. And what we saw is that we, we, we documented the killing of four journalists in connection to their work. Two of these journalists were in Chad, two were in Somalia. In addition to that, we at CPJ were continuing to investigate what was quite a shocking assassination of a journalist in Kenya. The Pakistani journalist Ashad Sharif, his killing has sent shockwaves throughout the community, and we are continuing to investigate that to determine um, the links to his journalism. As I was saying, um, Somalia is a country where, in comparison to other countries in the, journal, in the region, journalists frequently get attacked. Sometimes they're fatally attacked, they're killed in connection to their work. And two of the four journalists who were killed last year in sub-Saharan Africa in connection to their work were Somali journalists. And if you take a broader picture, a more longer term picture, you can see that since 1992, we at CPJ have documented the killing of at least 73 Somali journalists in connection to their work. This does not include media workers. If you include media workers, the number goes up. 
And so many of those journalists have never received justice. There's little hope that they'll receive justice. And when you have such an environment, it automatically means that other media workers, other journalists are fearful. They carry out their work in a specific way, perhaps their subjects that they avoid covering because they worry that they, the same fate could befall them and that their families would never have justice for their killings if that were to happen. In such environments, you see a high number of journalists fleeing to exile because the system, the country is unable to guarantee their safety if they continue doing their work. Another country in the region where we're concerned and continue to be concerned about impunity is South Sudan, which um, again, we've seen journalists killed. The country has a history of conflict and instability. And in that journalists have been targeted uh, for their work. And for those journalists who've been targeted, again, justice remains something that is very difficult to achieve. That was Mutuki Mumo, the Africa representative for the Committee to Protect Journalists. She talked to me from Nairobi. You're listening to Africa News Tonight, live on The Voice of America. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. Please note, we have moved our programs from voanews.com to voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. The world's largest consumer electronics show is going on now in Las Vegas, Nevada. VOA's Hasuna Beishu is at CES 2023, and we have him now on the phone to tell us about the latest take on display. Welcome to Africa News Tonight, Hasuna. Thanks for having me. So companies from all over the world are at CES. I understand you've spoken with an exhibitor from the African continent. Could you please tell us about that? Sure. Um, well, not a lot of African participants this year, unlike previous years where uh, there were at least a couple of them. So I found this startup company called Unipay Saad from Burkina Faso, and it seems like it's the only African participant this year. So uh, this company, Unipay Saad, has this device called uh, Ecolu. Uh, that, uh, the company has it on display at the CES this year. So Ecolo is a, is a trash device uh, basically developed in Burkina Faso with the assistance of a U.S. chip provider uh, and uh, a company from uh, China. Uh, this device is basically designed to personalize the trash experience to customers, uh, basically empowering them to uh, manage the waste in a manner that is uh, eco-friendly and uh, efficient. And... Um, uh, we did the interview yesterday, and it's available on voaafrica.com and also on our social media platforms. So uh, what else uh, in the new tech is drawing interest so far, as far as you're concerned? Well, uh, one of the things that really making a buzz this year is BMW's sedan concept, which can change its exterior color. Now, this car has been uh, upgraded, uh, as BMW had it on display last year, uh, only last year model uh, could change the color on demand, but instead of only black, white, and gray, 
this time around, there are three, 32 colors uh, are added. Uh, so this word per color changing car is called iVision D, D-E-E, which stands for Digital Emotional Experience. It's, it's definitely out of this word. Color changing car. That is something <laughs> we should really visualize. Uh, CES, yep. uh, so it runs until Sunday, right? Correct. So what are the new products that, uh, for instance, you expect to be uh, unveiled? Well, um, Sony, the company Sony, announced it's going to launch its first electrical vehicle car in, in 26. And there is uh, this company called Aska A5. Uh, they are putting a first flying car into action. And it's, it's, a, it's a prototype, uh, basically, and will be available in, in 26. But, um, uh, you know, staying with uh, color-changing device, LG is exhibiting a, uh, a color-changing fridge. Um, nothing really, you know, it's not a big deal compared to the car, obviously, but uh, it's, it's still a, a big deal here in the, in, in the CAS. We also have uh, Samsung screens that can fold, slide, bend, and roll for, for tablets and phones. So um, it's a lot to keep up with the... With the you know, the CES material. A lot to keep up with. The flying cars, color-changing cars. VOA's Hasuna Besu in Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you for your input. Morocco has denounced what it calls media attacks and legal harassment as allegations suggest the country is involved in a corruption and money laundering scandal involving the European Union. The news service Euronews.com says the investigation was initially launched to look into reports of illicit lobbying by Qatar, but now include allegations that Morocco participated in a cash for favors scheme. The Belgian and Italian press say Francesco Giorgi, the partner of Greek member of parliament Eva Kali, has confessed to being part of a group used by both Qatar and Morocco with the aim to influence EU policy making. The papers also allege that Giorgi and other EU parliamentarians met in a lobbying effort with agents of Morocco's Foreign Intelligence Agency. But Moroccan Foreign Minister Nassar Burita said today that his country's relations with the EU are facing attacks in European institutions, particularly in the parliament, which are a result of a desire to harm the partnership. Morocco and Qatar deny any involvement in graft and influence-buying schemes to influence EU policies towards them. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. Nature and biodiversity are dying the death of a billion cuts, and humanity is paying the price for betraying its closest friend. According to Inger Anderson, UN Undersecretary General and UN Environment Program Executive Director, in the words of UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, we are committing suicide by proxy. 
The world is facing a biodiversity crisis, and nature is under threat all across the globe," said Assistant Secretary of State for Oceans and International Environmental and Scientific Affairs Monica Medina. More than one million species are at risk of extinction, many within decades and more than ever before. This drop in biodiversity endangers all life on our planet, including our own. For years, scientists have warned that we may be entering Earth's sixth mass extinction of plants and animals, caused by human actions such as deforestation and loss of habitat, burning fossil fuels, overfishing, and polluting rivers and oceans. In an effort to finally take decisive steps to remedy this looming disaster, representatives of 196 countries met in Montreal, Canada, for 12 days of high-level discussions at the 15th conference of the parties to the Convention on Biological Diversity. The United States entered the conference with an ambitious goal in mind: to help push through a global biodiversity framework that will conserve or protect at least 30% of global lands and waters and 30% of the global ocean by 2030. That goal, known as 30 by 30, is absolutely essential to support ecosystem health and viability and arrest the catastrophic decline in nature worldwide," said Assistant Secretary Medina. We believe 30 by 30 must start at home, involving all of society, including indigenous peoples, local communities, and young people. And we are putting it into practice right now," she said. The United States is already demonstrating our commitment to conserving biodiversity. One of President Biden's first executive orders provided the foundation for the America the Beautiful initiative, a commitment to conserve at least 30 percent of U.S. lands and waters by 2030. On December 19th, after almost two weeks of discussion, nearly all parties to the convention adopted the so-called Kunming Montreal Global Biodiversity Framework, which enshrines the 20 by 30 goals in a major international instrument. We now have the opportunity to conserve and protect nature for this and future generations," said Assistant Secretary Medina. And with courage and initiative, we need to seize the moment. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. Botswana's former president Ian Kama has asked the court to set aside a warrant for his arrest after he failed to show up in court last week. He faces multiple charges, including unlawful possession of a firearm, receiving stolen property, and procuring the registration of a firearm by false pretense. Reuters says Kama cited a lack of evidence. His court papers say the warrant would cause irreparable harm, and in his words, threatens my right to liberty in circumstances where I have committed no crime. Kama's lawyer says he is waiting to be given a date for the hearing. The former president, who has been living in South Africa for over a year, has not appeared in prior court summons, saying he fears for his life in Botswana. And that wraps up this edition of African News tonight. I'm Yehiyas. Will he be in Washington? For all the latest developments on the continent, 24/7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer Mokbilia Baro and our engineer Patrick Daya, thanks for choosing the Voice of America. Hello. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. 
Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music from bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, afrobeat to ndombolo and makosa to kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 